Hello to all our listeners and welcome to this edition of Coffee and Conversation, Workplace Wisdom Unleashed. This is the 2020 Parallax Partnerships podcast that we intend to run as a series of conversations entertaining experienced senior business leaders and influencers in the leadership sphere over a cup of coffee, a bicky and a chat. So today, Sarah will be your guide. So for this episode, over to her. Hello, it's Sarah here. And today I'm in conversation with Kevin Pajasic, who is president and CEO at Anara Bio. Kevin joined Anara Bio in 2018, bringing 15 years of leadership and strategic investment experience in the biotech and pharmaceutical sector with him. He is also a venture partner at SV Health Investors and the co-founder and executive chairman of Catamaran Bio. Kevin was formerly Chief Strategy and Business Officer and a member of the executive leadership team at Immunicore. In his role, he was responsible for shaping the company's corporate R&D and growth strategies, as well as overseeing business development. He was also co-head of the company's Infectious Disease Unit and helped lead the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation investment of up to $40 million. Prior to joining Immunicore, Kevin was president and CEO of Quartet Medicine, a company he co-founded in 2013 while an entrepreneur in residence at Atlas Ventures. And he also held senior executive R&D and corporate development roles at several other venture-backed companies. Kevin has a PhD from the Biological Engineering Department at MIT. Over the past few years, Kevin has been deeply immersed in both exploring and the implementation of what are called next stage principles in organisation, the movement away from a traditionally hierarchical structured organisation into one which is self-managed by a network of teams and one in which, as you will hear, humanity is right at the heart of. So I wanted to understand from Kevin just what had inspired him to embrace this sometimes rather radically different way of working and also to hear some of his war stories that he has collected along the way. So let's go over right now and join my conversation with Kevin. Kevin, welcome to Coffee and Conversations. Thank you, Sarah. It's a deep pleasure to be here with you today. Well, um, I am delighted that we are going to be able to spend some time talking about one of my favourite topics today, (laughs) and that's your experiences with exploring and implementing next stage thinking in the organisations that you've been working with. So let's, without further ado then, let's just dive straight in and begin the exploration. And and I suppose um, I was thinking about um, I know we, you and I have um, been having conversations about this for some time now, but it would really be good to hear about how you first became interested in next stage thinking and particularly what, what ideas really appealed to you. No, it's a, I think that's a great place to start, um, the beginning in some ways. Um, you know, I think for me, and, and I wonder if, if maybe this might be a common Theme for folks, my initial entree to this was driven primarily by a belief that there must be a better way. Um, sort of, you know, in the organizations and and uh, companies I'd, I'd been in before, 
um, you know, there was something left wanting. Um, and so it was really a, a desire and exploration, a search um, for, for what could be a, a, a better way. And so I think um, nicely this, this happened to coincide with a, uh, my move to the UK uh, four years ago. Um, so I'd been a first-time CEO uh, in a, a venture-backed biotech in the U.S. Um, the opportunity to move out of that role and, and move family in our life is a great time to reflect and consolidate on what's important and where the learning edges are. And, and, I, and I felt like, you know, something inside of me was saying, I, you know, I need to explore this and there's got to be a better way. And it, it just so happened that as I started that journey, the company I ended up at, uh, we, um, working with a, a sort of a, a brilliant thought partner at that company, um, were able to go on our own journey of setting up a division in that company to put some of these practices to work. And I think, uh, you know, in, in, in seeing the need for finding a better way and then experimenting with, uh, the, the concepts of next stage organizations, um, in, in a safe space and an established company, I think really um, sort of opened that door for me uh, to see, you, you know, how, how some of these concepts can, can really put to work and, and the benefit they can have uh, for the people on the team and the, the, the productivity uh, and, and whatnot. So that, that, that to me was, was sort of the, the start of the journey and, and the road in, if you will. Mm, perfect timing then, the alignment of the stars in some way. Indeed. Yeah. And now we're going to delve into more detail about some of the, 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 the core elements that mm. allow, I think, a leader to bring next stage thinking into practice. But maybe just as a little bit of context, you could pick out some of the highlights of how you've tried to implement this in your working life since that time. And then we'll go into some of the deeper bits. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think you know, for me, it's been the, the thing that resonated with me first uh, in, in these concepts of these next stage organizations was this concept of autonomy. Um, and, and, you know, it's sometimes described as self-management, but, but basically the idea that, you know, autonomy is a, a fundamental driver of human motivation and fulfillment and the ability to um, grant, maintain, cultivate autonomy in your team members, um, helps them feel fulfilled and happy. And through that makes you, you know, makes the organization, the team more productive. And I think there's, um, you know, something in me that has a deep sense of wanting to have a control and influence over my own time and how I spend it. And, 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 you know, at, at times that can be, um, you, you know, you, you could see how a deeply held feeling of that could be bristled in a larger organization uh, or a more traditional hierarchy driven organization where, um, you know, you're, you're feeling like your time is being, uh, uh, you're being more told what to do, if you will. So I think for me, that was the journey in and, and the, the thing that resonated first, I guess, as, as I've, spent time thinking about this and, and putting it to work, I think the, the other components have really come to the fore. And so I, I think the idea of being a purpose-led organization, having a set of resonant values that are really authentic to 
um, the people in the organization and, and deeply mean something um, is, is something that, you, you know, I, I've developed a better sense for over time. I think coming into this, you know, you could, you could say, yes, I understand values are important. Yes, I have values. But until you really feel that inside of you and, and, and have that as a motivating force in how you do the work and how you organize your teams and, and what you measure success on, I think that's a, um, a journey I've gone on and, and, and have a deeper sense of now. And I think then, then more recently, um, it, it's, been, it's been this concept of, you know, really trying to um, interact and, and meet people where they are, be authentic, and try to really establish that human connection at a fundamental level. Um, and, and that's been, I'd say, on my own leadership journey where I've been spending and investing time on, on you know, how I can better develop my own self-awareness and, and understanding of, of that in me. And then through that, bring that to the organization and, um, you know, develop my own sense of, you know, humility and vulnerability uh, in, in being able to establish those authentic uh, uh, connections with, with people. Well, that's really interesting because what I notice in all of that is that it's very personal. You talked about, you know, your own sense of need for autonomy and freedom and and how you have connected with purpose at a felt level. So not just at a conceptual level and, and about being more authentic. So there was this felt like that this journey came from within and was an expression of part of who you are or who you were becoming or wanted to become. So I find that really interesting because I think in a lot of, um, I think in a lot of cases when these, when organizational development things go wrong, it's because it's the senior leadership doing things to people. Mm. Um, it's a very external uh, activity this has a completely different feel to it so it brings me to maybe our next line of questioning which is about you know how important do you think is the leader's personal journey of development in in being able to successfully hold the space create the space for a next stage culture to emerge yeah no that that's a, a great question I, I think that you know I, I think it's absolutely fundamental um, and, and, you know, fundamental in the truest sense of the word. It is the most important um, thing uh, to, to really have this, you know, driven at an authentic level and, and, and really make the necessary uh, connections to, to have this thrive. Um, I think, you know, for me, it, it, as I was saying, I, it's something I, I, I think I understood at a conceptual level and could vocalize that. Mm. Um, but, but there had been something in me um, that said, hey, there's more here. There's a greater depth to this. There's greater depth to me. And if I can access that um, and bring that forward to the work and, and the team, um, there, there's likely to be some benefit. So that, that's been... The journey I've gone on over over really I guess the last uh, couple of years, um, and um, you know I, I you know from and I think everybody has their own way of going on this journey, and and you know to some extent this this inward journey is the you know foundation of what it means to be human, um, and so it's been going on for for millennia, and 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 for me the the path that I've found as being. Um, 
most instructive. And, you know, I don't come from a, a, a strong religious background. I wouldn't say, you know, I've got a deep spiritual tradition, but it's been through, it's been through reading. It's been through uh, conversations and inspirations by of, of friends who are going on similar journeys and, and then sort of, you know, just doors opening a lot of personal reflection. Um, and I think I've come to a greater sense of, you know, who I am, how I turn up my own sort of seat of consciousness, if you will. Um, and through that have, you know, sort of, recognize that more than a superficial level, the benefits of humility, the benefits of, you know, leading life through kindness, letting things, you know, pass through me and, 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 and not let the ego sort of get a hold of them and, 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 and distract. And I, and I think bringing that back to um, the work and the team, um, you know, I think I, not only have I did, developed a deeper sense of purpose in the work. Um, but, but I've really almost said that, you know, a measure of success and you asked about this earlier, we can, we can look back to that is, um, you know, what impact am I having? What impact are we having as a team on the members of our team? And are they happier, more fulfilled, more resilient, um, than when we started? Um, and is that a, you know, a important end in itself? And, and through that collective journey together, you know, not only are they going to be, you know, hopefully more productive and more happy individuals, but we'll be able to deliver better results um, from the team. And, and I think having now done this um, in a couple of contexts, I think that is a primary motivator for me because I've seen it, right? I, I, I have the data. I can feel the impact we've had and you can measure that at a human level. You can measure it at a, uh, you know, a more conventional output level, um, uh, for a group. And, and, and so I think it's that journey inward has, has sort of crystallized the importance of all of this for me. And then coming back out, you can, you know, I, I hope they could turn up and drive, um, a, a, a deeper sense of purpose and interaction and, and, and really help, you know, the, the, the team and, and mm. the whole company succeed. I mean, really what, what comes out there as you're talking, one of the many things is, is just how you now at such a profound level believe in the importance of developing and nurturing and caring for the people who make up an organization and that genuinely when a leader does that and fosters that culture that environment the organization you know can't almost can't help but succeed i mean clearly there have to be some other fundamentals in place but that that is pivotal and central to that i i completely agree and and, and i think that um, you know, having, I, I think one of the things that one often encounters in thinking about some of the, putting some of these principles to work in next stage organizations is a degree of skepticism and at times cynicism because of people's own prior journeys in other organizations that have sensed that something's not right, sense that something should be done, 
but but maybe never really delved deep enough to say, you know, why are we doing this? What impact do we want to have? And ended up doing something that's more surface and more traditional, more conventional, and a, you know, sort of quote unquote team building. And and so I, I think that you know it can recognize that as a attention that's out there for a lot of, of, of people. But I, I think as, as you sort of bring people in, meet them where they are and talk them through, you know, the, the, the really deeply sincere reason we're doing this is about them. Mm. You know, you can usually break through that. And, and I think you can, you know, I've seen the benefit. I mean, we, we just, you know, in terms of measurement here, we, um, I, I think the, the, you know, the team we worked with prior to the, the company I'm in now, um, you know, I just think about the conversations I've had with people since then who, you know, have gone on a challenging journey that, that there's been a lot of ups and downs and, you know, they can point to the fact that the work we did together, you know, they're more resilient, they're able to deal with these things much better than they would have otherwise um, and, and, you know, survive and thrive through that challenge. And then just from a, you know, again, from a conventional metric standpoint, I mean, we were, the company we were working in had a 15-year history of working on the technology we were developing and, and a lot of, you know, sort of ideas and, and thoughts on the way it should be done. And, you know, to, to think about the work slightly differently, to innovate on how we work, we were able to deliver, um, you, you know, sort of product candidates at, you know, six to nine months, shorter timelines with a fraction of the human capital and, 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 and financial capital. Um, and, and, you know, to be, you know, I think the astoundment of the rest of the organization. Um, and so I think, you know, at many levels, I think this way of being a way of working, um, starting with, you know, the people first, as, as you said, is, is, uh, pays, pays dividends, um, for the organization. Well, people are obviously going to be really interested in hearing what you've just been saying about the impact and are going to want to know more about how you did that. And, and I want to dive in and unpack some of that in a moment. Mm -hmm. But I guess there's just one more question I'd like mm -hmm. to ask about the almost like the internal journey and, and the change you see in yourself between I think you mentioned a two year time frame where you've really been deeply engaged in your own development. I'm wondering how has that change that you have seen in yourself being reflected in how you as a leader have gone about kind of uh, um, holding the space for this process what do you see mirrored between your your own development and how you've tried to enact this yeah i think for me it's been the inward journey has been about um you, you know, that fundamental human desire to know oneself better. I mean, that, that I think is the primary motivation, but I think in doing that, one of the things that I've uncovered, and I think this is quite common is there are blockages that are in there that have probably been there for a long time, right? Going back to childhood, going back to, to various points in our lives. And I think oftentimes those are the things that hold us back. Um, and, and, you know, you know, they're in there, you kind of know that you're doing these things, but you never really get in touch with that and never really do anything about it. And so for me, you know, I, I think there's been recognition that um, there have been things holding me back. And at times I've been, um, uh, you know, because of that sort of more reserved or, or haven't held the space as, as you were saying, um, as deeply 
um, as I could. So I think as I've gotten in touch with that and worked through that in myself, um, it's allowed me to just be, you know, naturally, you know, to come with humility and vulnerability and kindness at, at a fundamental level. This is who I am. This is how I'm turning up. This is what's important to me in, in developing individuals and developing our team. Um, and I think there's a depth, recognizing that depth, working through some of those blockages that I had, I think then brings just a deeper level of authenticity to it. Um, it I mean, and again, I think that it is a fundamental level of authenticity. It is who I am. Um, and, and I think then that, you know, my senses and, and you know, we're still early days in, in um, our experience um, at the company I'm in now, but my sense is that uh, that's meaningful and, and it resonates with people and it's refreshing, I think, to, to people who perhaps have been on a more um, conventional journey in conventional organizations and come with uh, skepticism or cynicism. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's intangible in some ways, but, but I think it does come from just turning up as who you are and being able to interact with people from that place. And there's no layers, there's no masks, there's no, you know, much less of a voice in my head saying, Oh, I wonder what, you know, what everybody's thinking. It, it, it's more of a, this, you know, this is where we're at. Let's go. I think I'm stealing from a very famous quote when I say this, but in, in doing this, you're unconsciously giving other people permission to do the same, which, you know, of course is, is such a liberating, freeing, um, thing to be able to do and of course enables and is essential as part of often this kind of next generation way of working but yeah absolutely and i and i think really at the core of this you know next generation way of working is the concept of leadership as service right i mean that that's another um quote from somewhere um but you know leadership is not a something you're given because of your stature and your hierarchy and you know it is a a deeply personal drive to be of service to others. Um, and I think getting in touch with that, recognizing that, embracing that, developing that is, that is the path to, you know, I think being a really truly effective um, leader in, in anything you do, right? In, in any, any endeavor. Okay. Well, Thank you for that. And I think what we would really benefit from hearing about now is some of the more, the, the kind of the, the practical, the external applications. So you mentioned you've, you've been working with these principles in two different iterations, two organizations that you've worked in. Maybe we could start with the first and sure. get a little bit more of an idea of the project you were running and you know, what your intent was. How, how did you start to introduce these principles in that context? Yeah, it, uh, you know, and I think in, in, in retrospect, it was a very good place to start, a safe place to start, which um, it's often important for, for, you know, being able to experiment, fail, and find your own way. And I think, I think you know, one of the key lessons for me in all of this uh, is that, you know, there's inspiration out there in these next generation ways of working. I mean, we've spoken a lot about um, the Lulu book and, and, and other um, literature but but the key is to make it your own um and to do that 
for your organization, for your team, for you as a person has to be true to that. And so I think that that's been an interesting lesson as, as we've gone um, through this, but, but just go back to your question. Um, you know, we started with a uh, building an organization within an organization um, that, you know, roughly the 30 person size, probably as, as we got it going grew maybe up to about 50. Um, so, so reasonable size, half the people were from inside the company that we were working in half were from the external um, and, and it was a great sort of mix of diversity of background of, of um, gender, of, of uh, um, beliefs, of um, experience. Um, so really a kind of a, a, a true, um, you know, a great foundation for, for this kind of work. And um, I, so for us, I, I really think the, the idea was, you know, look, we want to work differently. We've all come to this with our own journeys and sense tensions and prior ways of working folks earlier in their career, maybe less so, but, but in a lot of ways are completely open to um, exploring new ways of working. And, and, and I think for us, it was just starting with some conversations of what does this mean? What does this mean to us? What is our purpose? How do we turn up? How do we help each other in delivering on this? And then sort of sensing and responding. And, and I think that was one of the things that was also clear is that, you know, you could go in with a plan, but, you know, if you're not bringing people along, then you've got to adapt. And I, I think one of the, the other key learnings, just reflecting back on that, was that um, I, I think that one of the limitations we faced, especially as we moved into more autonomous ways of working, self-management concepts, was a, um, you know, a, a, again, a fairly fundamentally driven human behavior that manifests in our group as a lack of self-confidence, um, but but really deep down inside is fear and you know fear of failure and fear of um, of you know this just not working and and so we we were able to work through that and and you know talked a lot about courage and what that means and how we can support each other in that and creating you know acceptance of failure and and um, you know ways of of rapidly iterating decisions and, and moving forward, things forward quickly, this concept of high velocity decision-making. Um, and I think through that, we're able to work through some of the, you know, you, you're able to uncover the fundamental block and then give, talk about it and then give people some tools and concepts and frameworks to move beyond it. Um, and so I think that's been a big learning of, it, you know, it's got to be fit for purpose for the organization that you're in. It's got to be, uh, you know, you've got to meet people where you are, they are, and sort of work through what those challenges are. And you've got to experiment with different tools and frameworks to help um, overcome some of these barriers and, and the resistance that, that folks face. Mm. Be the runners, being the point that pulls others along. I think that's been a, a good um, lesson for me as well in doing this uh, with a couple organizations. Yeah, I mean, you really make a good point there uh, about um, identifying those people who immediately resonate because um, I think, again, the difference or the, the, the more traditional tendency is to want to apply these and dictate the flow of communication happens or how ideas are transmitted from above and 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 it's it's difficult to shake off very deeply conditioned ways of, of working that you know 
all, if not most of us, most if not all of us have experienced and, and, and actually hand it over to understand that some of the most effective change ha happens virally from, from within, which I think is what you're pointing to there. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, one of the things, right, and, and I mean, you've hit the nail on the head, actually, and I, and I think these um, almost epigenetically imprinted uh, ways of working have, have affected our behaviors, right? And that's where you see the manifestation of, of, of these things and often where some of the blockages are. And, and those behaviors could be physical, how body language and, and uh, um, you know, how people react to certain things. But it's also in the language that people use. Um, and I think that's something I've become very attuned to as well um, and, and, and try to emulate language that is open, that is kind, that is forward-looking, that's embracing um, versus limiting and, and trying to move beyond the, you know, we all have limiting beliefs. It's important to talk about them. But in those limiting beliefs are real opportunities for growth. And, and the more we can sort of bring those to the table, work through them as a group, and then move beyond them, um, you know, that's where you see these sort of catalytic, catalytic moments of, you know, just breaking through and, and all, all of a sudden that something that was hard or you were stuck, you're just, you know, you, you go from that moment of stuck to just light years ahead um, quickly. Um, and, and so I think you're right. I, I think that, you know, but it, it's getting in touch with those. Right. And, and I think, you know, this is where a leader's journey, especially in our industry, right. In, in, in a science led organization where we're kind of all scientists at heart, the, the things that have allowed you to be successful to this point in your career are almost the things that will take you to that next level are completely independent. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like learning a whole other set of skills. Now, a lot of people will develop those along the way and it's a, it's not, you're starting from scratch, but you know, increasingly as I talk to younger emerging leaders in our, our company, it's, it's, you know, sure. Follow your passion for the science, stay close to that, add value and help there, but go elsewhere, read elsewhere, talk to people elsewhere, expand those horizons um, um, and mm. develop that side of you because that I think ultimately is, is, is what's going to be, um, make, help people be successful as a leader. So, um, I think you explain some of the highlights of some of the changes, the behavioral changes you saw, maybe there's, there, there are others you'd like to highlight, but I know, you know, when people are grappling with this, one of the things they want to know is, you know, what didn't go so well and and what what did you how did you respond to that or even looking back now what mm. would you do differently so yeah i'm sorry kevin i'm asking you about four questions in a row there but <laughs> no that's okay that, that that's that's um the great set of questions i think you know the i mean i i think it does come back to pacing um and i feel like the the times um that is, so there's the pacing question and i think there's there's also a question of the altruistic nature of next generation organizations and how sometimes that hits meets the cold reality of running a business so i'll come on to that in a minute because i think there's something there and i think is as, as one thinks about the tensions and sort of you know the edges of of this thinking where do they where do they sit within companies and within societies. I think that's an interesting one. Um, the pacing I, I, I think was, ha, has been a very important, 
lesson learned. And I think at times when we were doing this work the first time, um, we, um, you know, there were times where we went ahead and we needed to pull back. Um, and, and oftentimes that was, you know, people squealing in some ways, like, wow, this is a lot, or, you know, how am I, you know, I'm struggling to make all of this work. Um, uh, so, so I think that, that for me has been, um, a very good lesson and, and to develop that patience, the ability to sense and respond. And I think it all ties back to the fundamental that each organization is a unique set of individuals, a unique purpose that will need a, you know, bespoke solution for them. Um, and so again, I think thinking about this as a experiment and a journey and a, a, a desire to improve the way we work, but recognizing that it's not a, you know, off the shelf, here's a Harvard business review case, put it to work, you know, and, and off you go. Um, so I think that's all kind of interrelated in there and, and, and important. And so you, you know, really got to have the channels of communication to be able to listen to people and have them feel comfortable telling you that, you know, I don't get it, or this is too much, or what about, you know, should we be going there instead of, you know, in one direction instead of another. So I think that's been a, a good lesson. And then I think, you know, the, the, the spirit of this with people at its core is, you know, I think a fundamentally altruistic view of organizations, of leadership, of human development as a means until itself and a, an ability to deliver an, you know, a more conventional end for an organization of patient benefit, societal benefit, shareholder value, um, whatever measure you want to use. However, I think there are times where, you know, either you know, people are opting out, there isn't uh, the right fit with members of the team and the direction the company's going. Um, there are just the natural realities of running a business, your constraints around um, finances or, or direction of travel. And I think there has to be a recognition that you can always be true to the spirit of this, but you it's not going to stop you from having to make hard decisions sure. and making hard decisions about people and, and about change of direction for businesses and, and, and whatnot. And so I think it's, there, there needs to be an awareness there and leaders that practice this to not lose sight of that and to basically be able to hold both of these things in the same space and know when to, you know, explore, ask, and probe and when to decide and move. Um, and, and I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I have any answers there. It's just the tension that I feel as a, a leader of the company um, and one that, you know, I'm, I'm live to and try to equilibrate on um, daily. Yes, I was hoping you were going to give us the magic solution there, Kevin, and <laughs> how you do that. But yeah. I guess it's a whole mixture of things. But I mean, uh, very often at least the deep awareness of the tension and being able to bring yourself very consciously to to the problem is 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 actually half the solution i would imagine definitely and and i think you know especially when it comes to people and and um you, you know underperformers in a conventional sense i think the the failure of an organization is not to um it is to not have taken the steps to, to, to uncover what's driving that and, and help them. I think so, you know, it's very easy to say, so it's, so, you know, 
underperforming, that's fine. What are, you know, what are we doing about it? Why is that happening? And we had those conversations with them. And then naturally, if we have, and it's still there, then, you know, we have to move on. I mean, there has to be a situation where, uh, you know, there's a complete recognition that, you know, not everybody's going to be up for uh, the work, the journey, the, what we need to achieve. Um, and, and to some extent, the needs will change as we change, right? The, obviously, the work changes as programs advance. The, 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 the types of um, the level of engagement and, and the, the types of uh, people that will want to engage with us may change. And I think for me, it's we've just got to be sensitive to that. We need to do our best to help. But then when we decide to go our separate ways, um, you know, we need to do everything we can to support people on their next step of the journey as well. And I often have this conversation with, with especially the emerging leaders in our company that says, look, you're not going to work with us forever. Right? We're not going to be around forever. We're a biotech company. I mean, these things usually play out on a two to four year cycle where it's either going to work or it's not. And then we'll either you know, be successful and go do something else or we won't and we'll go do something else. And so I think, you know, one, having people recognize that, that their own career is going to be a journey with multiple stops. And two, helping people, um, um, you know, sort of develop within themselves by you know, leading by example of, of saying, it's okay to go work somewhere else if that's what you feel you need to do. And, and let's help you do that. Um, um, or if we feel that's what you need to do, let's help you do that. Um, so I think that's how I try to reconcile some of the concepts, I suppose. But, but I think it, importantly, it's a, um, y- you know, I think a trap is to fall purely on the altruistic side and not um, recognize that, you, you know, firm decisions need to be made in a timely fashion, um, that, that at times may be perceived as, um, uh, you know, sort of counter to the beliefs of the organization. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you addressed that because it's a tricky problem, I think, for people who are moving into this next stage space. What do we do if people just don't get on board and, you know, are we going against the spirit of inclusivity, etc. Uh, if we, you know, if we feel we have to move someone out, but in many ways, I think a lot of very successful next stage organisations are very clear about who they are and the direction that they go in, and and it's about how you help people move on to find something new if the fit isn't right for them. But you've been very clear that it's actually a very important thing to address directly and not to let fester. Absolutely. Because I, I think if you let it fester, I mean, you're, 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 that, that is failure in, 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 in almost every way. It's failure to, to be, or, you know, to that as a, that person, as an individual, it's a failure to their teammates and it's a failure to the, you know, the, the purpose of the organization. So, so clearly that's not an option. Um, and it is about, you know, operating within your values, but at the same time, you, you know, making the, the hard, Decisions and there's actually, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that, as I've done this, you know, naturally have looked externally for inspiration, how other companies think about these concepts, um, and I think there are some good examples, um, in particular on this point in in the tech sector, and so so, you know, the Netflix culture deck as an example is one where, you know, it is about creating a great place to work. But it's also a place that, you know, you, you, you will need to perform. And there's a recognition that it may not be for you, even if you had thought it was. And the company will do their best to, to help you move on 
when it's time to move on. And I, so I think there, you know, there, there are inspirations out there of companies operating on similar principles that, that, you know, are helpful to, to reflect on as we go on our own journey. So now you are CEO of a different organization. Um, perhaps you'd like to tell us a little bit about that. And, and, you know, as, as I know, you're pursuing this way of working for a second time, but in a slightly different context. So yeah, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. And also, are you noticing as you enter into this different context, are the challenges the same or does the context really make a difference? Yeah, I think, um, no, it is. It, it's great. And it's great to have a, you know, we're a young organization. We've, we've been sort of um, at it now for a few years, but, but really are coming into our own over the last year or so since, since, um, you know, I've been involved and, and, and because of that and, and keeping in mind the pacing piece, I've, I've tried to take a very um, soft is the wrong word, but, but almost have this emerge from within and the way in which I've done that is, is, is thinking about um, the mindset of the individuals that we're hiring. So we're fortunate in the life sciences to be working on great science with great scientists. And so some, in some way with experience that are relevant for what we're doing. And so in some ways, that's not universally true, but that's ubiquitous and that's out there. What's much harder to find is people with the right mindset who um, you know, share the, you know, the, the views on how we want to act as an organization, our, our purpose. And, and so we've sort of let that almost emerge as we've grown the company, but been very diligent in making sure that people were bringing me in align with it. Um, and so we did some foundational work of, over the last 12 months or so that I think has now set us up to be very deliberate in um, embracing this way of working with a very strong foundation um, uh, of, of people already in place who, while they may not know it or realize it yet, are already doing a lot of the next stage organization ways of operating and, and supporting each other and um, uh, being purpose-led. And so, so right now it's, it's calling it to the fore. It's holding the space and making sure people realize that it's important. It's as important as the work we do as we talk about how we do the work and spend time on that. And this is, you know, I think one of the things that I worry a lot about is complacency and, and that if, if this isn't something that you're spending time on that I'm spending time on, it will slip. And if it slips, the whole thing, you know, you, you, you it could really fall apart quickly. And so I think it's creating that space, holding that space, having these conversations about how we work. Um, and what we're, we're, we're doing now is, is putting that into practice. And so, um, you know, as you know, we've, we've just done some work around um, autonomy in the organization and a framework called the advice process for independent decision making. Um, we're reorganizing our project teams away from um, uh, you know, the, the traditional um, function-led hierarchy to, uh, you know, interdependent nested teams and empowering new leaders to help lead that work um, and creating new channels of communication, which I, I think has been especially challenging in, in the COVID era we're living through, but also a great opportunity to experiment and try new technology and, 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 and new things. And so, you know, I, I think... Um, 
you know, we'll see where it leads us. I, I think we're, we're still early on this journey, but, but I think having taken some of the lessons around pacing and patience um, and, and sensing and responding what, what the team needs and when they need it, um, you know, I'm really excited uh, to kind of see where this goes and to see, you know, how it, how it mirrors and drives um, you know, the, the more conventional arc of the company as we, we make medicines and bring them uh, uh, into the clinic to patients. Well, thank you for that. And I've, I've actually got quite a specific sector question, which may sure. be very relevant for some organizations, less relevant for others, but I know it's a very valid and quite a common question for folk who are working in highly regulated environments. Mm. You are, because obviously the nature of distributed leadership is you're distributing power and decision making throughout the organization you're creating high levels of autonomy but as is the case in the biotech sector where you know by le there are legal requirements for certain people to be able to make decisions how does that match how can you how can you marry that up with the level of autonomy that is kind of inherent in next stage organizations and in you know distributed leadership how do you do that yeah it, it, it's a you know it, it, it's a fundamental question to, to our industry and, and putting these practices to work I think you know the way I tend to think about it is there are there are legal requirements there are things that are necessary people need a, a manager someone to report to I mean there there's some you know from an HR and legal perspective there are frameworks we need to hold you know underpin the company and in the work that we do right so so obviously bringing medicines to patients requires a lot of interaction with uh, MHRA, FDA, and, and other global regulators um, um, to do that. Um, and, and, and for me, that's an expertise question, right? There are people who have done that in their careers. They have the expertise, they have the knowledge, they have the relationships, um, and they can come in and fulfill a role uh, in our company um, to, to do that. Um, and we'll seek them out and, and bring them in and, and empower them and, and integrate them. But I think the magic of, of this next stage organization concept isn't that you, there's a job description and you come in and that's your role and that's all you do. There's this mindset that says, actually, that's important and I can bring that to the team. But my accountability is much broader. People are counting on me to, you know, find you know, tensions, gaps in the organization and solve them. And so I actually think that it, it, there's quite a natural way of doing that because everything we do is, it's highly technical, requires, you know, complicated interfaces of science and bioinformatics and, and, and lab work and clinical work. And so I think the legal component is just one element of that. So we can bring in that expertise, but it's the mindset of those individuals and how they come into the organization and the broader impact that they want to have on the team and how we work that, that I look for um, and that, that we drive. And I think, you know, it goes back to then, I think the other question is, you know, where are there other inspirations of organizations that have done this in our industry, um, in the life science and biotech and pharma? And I think, you know, one of the organizations that, that um, has been highly successful with a people-centered uh, approach is um, a company called Agios uh, in, in therapeutics in, in, um, uh, in, in the Boston area in the U.S. And David Shenkind is the former CEO there who really helped 
develop and lead that organization, um, brought that to the company and has instilled that in the company. And I think they have gone from, um, I, I think, I think it is a record, I believe from, from idea, a concept of a medicine of a, of a new drug to actually approval, uh, in record time, um, um, never been done before in the industry. Um, and obviously had to navigate all of the, the regulatory, uh, commercial launch, um, and technical challenges that that brings. And then I think that, you know, you know, the, the, the other inspiration that sort of entered the, the scene more recently, um, uh, is the new CEO of Novartis. Um, so Vass is a, a you know, a, a very enlightened individual who has started very vocally preaching to an organization of over a hundred thousand people, this concept of an unbossed culture where, you know, that you will get stuck in innovation will grind to a halt in these rapidly changing companies if you are driven by hierarchy. And if you put the people at the core of it and you empower them to make decisions, that is your path to long-term sustainable success. And to see an organization like Novartis, which obviously has a long track record of success in developing new medicines, a global brand, mm-hmm. embrace a very modern, very next generation leader, um, who's probably one of the youngest leaders of a, a Fortune 500 company. I think he's in his mid forties. Um, you know, it's, it's a real inspiration uh, to me personally and to to our journey um, to see that this can be done. Um, it can be embraced on a, 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 a level, and you can take a well established, massive organization and and lead it through a um, you know, seismic change in, in, in how we operate. And again, I think that all just comes back to the, you know, this, these concepts tie back to sort of who we are fundamentally as human beings. I think if you connect with that, um, you know, great things can happen. Mm. It's just wonderful to hear that, you know, this isn't just for small organizations, this, this way of working absolutely, you know, is being scaled up. It's not a nice concept. It's actually happening. So that's wonderful to hear. Thanks for sharing those examples. And, and Skess, I, I think my final question is speaking of success, how, how do you think you're going to measure your success in your endeavors currently, both maybe both personally and on an organizational level? Yeah, I think the, um, and, and, and honestly, I think they're, related um and and almost and and maybe entirely so in 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 a weird way um you know i i think i will look to success and what we do as how um you know how other people are developing within the company and i think that's really the 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 true measure of success um in, in, in I think the most immediate and profound sense is the impact that you know I'm able to have and that we as a team are able to have on each other and um, you know just the, the, the happiness and fulfillment that um, our team members feel um, and, and I think you know for me everything flows from that um, and, and I think if we get that right uh, you know, the, the more conventional measures of success will come and they'll come in spades. Um, we'll make, you know, great discoveries. We'll turn those discoveries into medicine. We'll benefit patients and society and we'll, um, you know, generate shareholder value, um, along the way. 
Um, and so honestly, I, I think that's how I would measure our success organizationally. It's, it's how, how our people um, develop and succeed. And, and, and certainly, you know, in the immediate sense, that's how I'd measure my success. Yeah, I mean, I think the recognition here is our industry is, it's really hard what we do, right? I mean, especially an early stage company, you're taking a breaking discovery out of an academic lab and then trying to turn it into a medicine that's going to treat a complete, you know, a horrible human disease that nobody else has been able to do before. Right. That, the, you know, the, the likelihood of success of that is infinitesimally small. And so I think, you know, it requires a, you know, sort of boundless optimism in order to even attempt that. Um, but I think if, the, if we were solely measuring our success on whether we are able to do that or not, um, you know, I just, I, I think that's our ultimate purpose. That's our ultimate goal, but success, you know, there's, you know, I think more fundamental success we can have along the way and hopefully we get there, but, but in the meantime, um, you know, we, we can, you know, be kind, be humble and, and focus on, you know, just helping each other out and become better versions of ourselves. Well, that's a wonderful place to end our discussion today. So I just wanted to thank you for sharing in such an engaging and inspiring way your your personal story, which is so intertwined with how you show up and have created space for next stage thinking in, in the teams and the people and the environments you've been working in. So thank you so much, Kevin, for taking time out to be with us today. No, thank you, Sarah. It's always a pleasure. Um, um to have a chat with you and I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that rich and inspiring conversation. There's just so much to be learned. So thank you so much to Kevin for taking part in our podcast today. As ever, let me finish by sharing a quote with you. And that's about the true nature of leadership, which is well illustrated by Simon Sinek, who says leadership is a responsibility. It's not about being in charge. It's about taking care of those in your charge. So that's all from me. Let me hand you back to Chris, who will finish the podcast for today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Coffee and Conversation Workplace Wisdom Unleashed, then please remember to subscribe to the podcast and share on your social media channels. Equally, if you would like to give us some feedback, suggest future guests, share your stories or find out more about leadership, team and organisational development, we would love to hear from you. Do contact us via our LinkedIn pages. These links can be found in the description associated with this episode. Ready to unleash your workplace wisdoms? Well, what are you waiting for?